Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Carlos Rios's All Ears. Today, you're listening to a conversation with my friend, Dr. Will Douglas. He is owner, instructor, and performer at the Guitar Studio in Forward, Texas. He is artist in residence and director of guitar performance pedagogy at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he's also an action guitar instructor at Texas Wesleyan University. Weatherford College and Tarrant County College Northwest. And as if, if you haven't kind of gathered from that, uh, you will soon find out that uh, he's a very uh, busy man. And so I am super grateful that he was able to make time to have this conversation with me. Uh, we spoke a few times back in Fort Worth, and he actually approached me first. And uh, I was honored to be able to hang out with him and just have coffee and have a conversation. And uh, very quickly, we became good friends. Uh, we don't get to chat often enough, again, because he's so busy right now, and also because I'm not li currently living in Texas. So it was awesome that I was able to uh, capture this conversation, and I really hope that you find it valuable. We talk about a lot of important things on top of talking about guitar and music in general. But... Um, It's always refreshing talking to this man, a wonderful family man, follower of Jesus, and just a very caring person, a great teacher that I hope to continue to uh, build a friendship with. So again, thank you for tuning in, and I really hope that you enjoy the conversation. How are you, Will? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. So it's taken a little while for us to be able to, to connect, but we finally finally made it happen. You were supposed to be uh, guest number one, Will. I know. <laughs> You've let the world down. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. As I started writing, as I started conceiving the idea of the podcast, I, I, uh, this is podcast attempt number three, by the way. Um, different purposes for each one of them, but it's the third time that I start a podcast, and hopefully this one will stick. And this one is because this one is just like talk to people that you find interesting, and mm -hmm. that are fun, and that you like talking to or you think you might like talking to <laughs> and yeah. then share it with the world and try to extract wit and fun and humor and knowledge and wisdom and all that stuff from the conversation. And that's mm -hmm. the idea. So that's, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, definitely one of the first pe persons that came to mind, but then when it came to deciding, uh, uh, starting the podcast and starting contacting people, I was talking to Katie, my wife, Um, whom I don't think you still no you did meet uh, her at church at church, yeah, yeah, yeah. church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I was like who should I have as my first guest and for some reason she like stopped for a second and thought she's like you should have Will Douglas over and I'm like you know what Will will be, will be an awesome person to talk to so yeah, I'm flattered uh, I appreciate that so I'm glad that we finally uh, were able to make this happen yeah yeah you, you know I think 
that, um, you know, you're obviously a very interesting guy and we have, you know, similar background, you know, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. uh, in music and, and music and higher education, uh, you know, and of course, you know, we went to church together for, for a bit and, yeah. uh, um, you know, and, and so we kind of have, have some place to start, you know, but I think, you know, podcasts in general are, are when done genuinely are really wonderful, you know, because you just, you're just hearing two people talk and it's interesting that it's so popular, right? Cause mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it, it is in real time. It's real people having a conversation and it's like, whatever it is that um, attracts people to say reality TV, right? It's a similar thing, but I think with a healthier outcome, <laughs> <laughs> right because right. You, it's yeah. interesting to listen in on on people talking uh uh when 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 you have their permission <laughs> of yes. course yes uh, yeah. you know because because um i think we get a much better idea of yeah. how other people are and it makes you feel uh, more connected i think to people around you which is yeah. really interesting people will listen to very long ones you know like three oh, yeah. and four hours you know yeah i've listened to some of those yeah mm -hmm. yeah i have too i think they're great it's a yeah. wonderful way to kill a very long car trip there's a yes well there's one that came out recently i've not listened to it uh with lex friedman i don't know if you're familiar with them i um, am yeah yeah he's he's uh uh was he M mit guy or something yeah he's, he's like a yeah. super smart ai uh, robotics right guy. yeah he does sure. all kinds of stuff too he mm -hmm. he's a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu oh and, and he's a po podcaster so he talks to people he's one of, um, one of those guys yeah anyway he plays guitar too actually i think i saw and him he play. plays guitar he's pretty like good too. to shine on you crazy diamond or something he's one of these guys that he just it's like he's very good at lots of different things yeah i really enjoyed uh watching the show but we're talking about long podcasts he does some really long ones i think recently he did a like eight hour long one or something like that. I was like, no, Whoa, wow. like, who's got... <laughs> yeah. I think it was with uh, the guy, one of the guys, that, Car John Carmack or something like that, that made Doom. The, the video oh, game. interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know that name. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Car Carmack. Yeah. Something like that. I, d I didn't yeah. watch it or, or listen to it rather. Although you can watch it because he has it on video. But... I feel like I, I watched him. I think I saw one with him doing with the, what's his name? The, the Russian chess champion, mm -hmm. Gary. Um, yeah, he's been doing a lot of chess ones recently. Okay. Yeah. I, I believe I saw, I think that was his podcast. It was really interesting. It was, wasn't a whole lot of chess talk if I remember right. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm thinking of the right podcast. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of his conversations go really over my head especially when they're talking about computers and, and stuff, because they get really technical. And that's part of mm -hmm. what I like about this format is that you can listen in to people that are, you know, you've heard that you can be a fly on the, if you could be a fly on the wall, you know, and you could listen into, you know, so-and-so talking or who would you be listening to or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how the expression goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be a fly on the wall. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, so, that's, that, that is, I think a big part of this. So. That's kind of what you get when, when doing the podcast and you know there's a lot of interesting people out there so and then what's cool is you wonder how different pairings of people uh bring out different aspects of 
mm-hmm. people's personality yeah. and their mind and all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like, there's a you know who Andrew Schultz is? He's Andrew a Schultz. he's a comedian. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not ringing a bell, right? He's a stand-up comedian, and he has a podcast with like his cohort of comedians and friends, and they've mm-hmm. had all kinds of interesting people on their podcast recently. Um, and, uh, anyway, they had this guy recently called Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist knows all, mm-hmm. you know, he, all, all he talks about is, you know, how different ways you can affect your neuromodulators, like uh, your serotonin and, uh, epinephrine and what are the other ones? Dopamine. And I'm missing a very <laughs> important one. I forget what it is. Anyway. So I listened to that guy talk to Jordan Peterson, who who talks a lot about uh, the brain, and they're talking about neuroscience at a very mm-hmm. technical level. And I actually stopped listening to that one because I could not understand yeah. what they were saying. <laughs> Thirty yeah. minutes in, <laughs> I know I've had I've had this this same exper- experience <laughs> with uh, it was it, and but later I came back because I read a little bit of this guy and I was able to understand mm-hmm. better, but Lane McGilchrist, okay. um, who is a neuroscientist and he actually, I think his uh, undergraduate or maybe even post or, or his master's degree was actually in theology. Oh. I think from Oxford or someplace, right. He, some in the U in the UK, brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant guy. But I, I listened to, uh, I, I can't remember who, interviewed him but but i was listening to him and it was really interesting and i kind of got sucked into it and then it started to get into the weeds mm-hmm. and i go i am way outside of my depth here you know <laughs> and i tried i tried to persist yeah but i really couldn't so i actually got his book no i i didn't read it i it was an audio version it's uh called uh um the the master and and his emissary Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about the sort of left brain right brain and the misunderstandings of, of actually what that is did i am i still there you're still Sorry, here I, got, I, I see okay you. i got a weird all of a sudden i got a weird notification saying i signed out of our zoom call oh so, <laughs> no you're no, still here so, okay good that was, that was really strange <laughs> so so anyways um yeah uh so, so it, it, it the book is about the kind of left brain right brain divide mm-hmm. and you know we we always we, we often time times talk kind of is almost like folksy or colloquially about it. It's like, oh, I'm left brain and I'm right yes. brain, you yes. know. But that's not really a thing, you know. Like mm-hmm. nobody's like left brain or right brain. We're all sort of both. Yeah. And then he kind of goes into the functions of either hemisphere, mm-hmm. you, you know. And really, what people are are just expressing is that they have certain personality dimensions that are stronger. Yeah others you, you know but nobody you know it's not like this math guy has a high powered left brain although he or she might you, you know yes. I, I mean obviously if, if you're you know a scientist you've got something special going on you know For sure but, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> have anything to do with their left brain being stronger than their right brain or yeah. vice the right side of their brain or vice versa yeah yeah so i had to go and listen to a little bit of that audiobook uh, uh and i, and I did context yeah. 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 It sort of certainly helps, but yeah, for sure. So I, I really do. I, I enjoy, I enjoy this sort of stuff. Well, cool. We're in it. We're doing it now. You, you were starting one a while back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it yes. continued or stopped or where it is. It was called, yeah. we have issues or something like that. I know. <laughs> Close. <laughs> it was the human trials podcast. 
the human trials uh, podcast. Yeah. So I have a brother, I have two brothers who are in the medical field. I have three brothers in total and a, and a sister. Um, but uh, one of my brothers uh, um, early on in the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. uh there were people who really had questions about everything from like types of masks. I mean, you know, remember how it was, everybody remembers how it was. This is yeah. like really early on. Yeah. And uh, my brother who's he's a very brilliant guy. I mean, really super brilliant guy. He was actually a very high level jazz drummer before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and, and played some, some uh, jazz piano as well, but mainly a drummer. And he also did arranging and, mm-hmm. and that, and had a, professional jazz band when he was in his late teens, you know, and all this and uh, up through, you know, kind of early mid parts of his twenties and been a lifelong musician. He switched to medicine uh, and was really very, very good at at it. I mean, even an undergrad, you know, he was doing work up at the Cleveland clinic and, uh, and he, uh, he was the, the physics department, uh, at the university tried to recruit him at at one point out of the pre-med wow (laughs) really super duper smart guy um and so we decided to do do just a q a okay and it went really really well and so we decided well we'll just kind of do regular and we did a couple more episodes uh, but then my brother uh had to move out of state for work Um, you, you know, and, uh, then we got really busy and, you know, he's got a, he's got a son uh, and I've got a, I've got a daughter and they're both very young and, and that takes a lot of time. And we just, things got so busy. It we takes time. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I'm yeah. doing it at more, more of us a ho- hobby almost, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but even then, like it takes a lot of time and I try to pick a format that I don't have to do a bunch of post-production stuff, but mm-hmm. even then <laughs> it still takes time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we were, we were doing, you know, I, we had like multiple cameras and all this kind of stuff. That was the other thing since it was pandemic time, you know, I I had time to like learn things, you know, Mm -hmm, and and so I got super into the kind of techie because I'm, I'm just, I like toys, you know, Uh, and I like electronics and your guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very super cliche. Uh, And, and, and it actually kind of turned out nice. You know, if anybody looks up, human trials podcast on, on YouTube, they'll, 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 they'll find it. It's, it's, it's there. And we yeah. were pretty proud of the name too. <laughs> yeah. It sounds great. Um, Cause it was sort of a double entendre, right? It was, it was, you know, human trials and cause we had the medicine guy there. Mm-hmm. Right. But also it was specifically dealing with trials, like trials and tribulations, like yes. the things that we go through yeah. as people. That's where my brain know. goes immediately. Yeah. 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 And, 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 uh, and it was, you know, my brother and I get along really well and he's very funny. And so, you know, it just kind of, it, it worked fine, but we only did three of them, you know, and will, will it happen again? Who knows? We still yeah. own the, the domain name. <laughs> so. Yes. I mean, you're extremely busy right now. So yeah, it's actually quite a lot. Yeah. It's quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. So tell me all, what are some of the things that are keeping you busy? So, um, you know, it's changed a lot over the last year, but, you know, for anyone who's listening, you know, that just isn't familiar with, with, with what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a classical guitarist. Um, yeah. And uh, I, but I also teach in higher education mm-hmm. and I own and operate a classical guitar studio, like a pri- private studio. That's yeah. also 
um, a business, right? And sells yes. sells uh, classical guitars and classical guitar accessories. And then we're also a distributor for Altamira Classical Guitar US um, here out of out of our home base here in yeah. Fort Worth. Um, you know, and right now we've got, you know, 60 guitars on hand with another 60 on the way, um, you, you know, and everything from student models up through concert models and historical replicas and all that kind of thing. And, and I've got my wife who who's really kind of, she's really kind of the brains of the operation. She's um, in business and has her degree in, in business administration and management and has a lot That's of helpful. Uh, very, it's extremely, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of your cliche musician, right? So, so I don't necessarily yeah. have that kind of acumen, but she's super got it. She's, and she's got loads of experience. And, yeah. And, uh, so um, my so wife and I are both, are both the creative types. Mm. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a, with the, has the analytical mind a little bit more, but I'm, I'm too chaotic. So we, we have a hard time. <laughs> we don't have, we yeah. need more people in our lives that are more, you know, geared towards yeah. wanting to do that kind of thinking. Yeah. That it's, right it, it right brain or left brain. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It definitely helps. Now I, I over the, the world and of course she, she also, you know, takes care of our daughter when I'm at work. And mm -hmm. so, you know, one of the complicated things that so I, I, I manage an unusual student population. Uh, so I teach private lessons. I also teach classes, but I right now um, manage a studio population, private lessons, individuals yeah. uh, between 60 and 65 students per week. Um, hold on, hold on. You teach or you manage? No, I teach. Population. You personally teach. 60 to 65 private lessons a week. Yeah. I, I, I teach a lot of lessons. Uh, yeah. yeah. First, that's <laughs> I, just a private practice. That's, the you know, well, that's, my, that's my college students. And, and then, and then I teach classes also all together. It's okay. about 70 hours a week of teaching. Wow. Which is quite a lot. That is a you, lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it's really, intense mostly during the the, the the regular semester you know during the breaks everything gets pretty quiet because at the shop here i usually have you know some 30 or so students here at the shop yeah um and and so i you know i have that and then i'm also the operating manager of the allegro guitar society which is kind of the big the major guitar society for fort worth and, and dallas. fort worth and dallas yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and uh I'm probably forgetting something, but oh, and I, yeah, I teach. So uh, <laughs> I teach at two colleges, right? So it's, you mm -hmm. know, I, I have about 10 or so students, typically eight to 10 students uh, at uh, Tarrant County College. And I, and then PCC. I, I okay. yeah, yeah. And then I, I run the, the big program is at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is also Texas Baptist College. It's two two institutions. Housed are there the are there any other people who can teach classical guitar? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's things are going to going to light, lighten up pretty soon, but because um, I'm kind of restructuring some things. But good. Uh, yeah, so at Southwestern, um, I have guitar performance programs at the bachelor's, master's, and doctoral level, you know, so I've got a couple of doctoral students, a couple of master's students, yeah. and then and then some undergrads. Um, and, you know, I'll have the te teaching assistants and that kind of thing too coming up, which will help a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so because a lot of those things, you know, there's a lot of admin work that goes along with it, 
right? This sort of the unseen side of that, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and I enjoy it, right? It's a tremendous blessing. Like I'm grateful every, every day for it, but you know, um, or you have to um, self-care. I mean, no matter how much you enjoy your job or if there's no, there's no self-care and things like that, it's, it, it can become quite a problem. Yeah. Um, but right now, uh, things are good, you, you know, and, and, and moving in a positive direction. And, and I've got help here at the shop, I've got tremendously talented uh, colleagues and friends and things. So it's, it's good. It's good. That's good. Yeah. That is very busy. Like even if, <laughs> if you said, busy. even if you said, all I do is I have, I teach the 70 students that, that already like in and of itself would be an overwhelming thing and but you have all this other added layers so yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty I, wild <laughs> yeah it's so, almost not believable it, right. and, and i think sometimes people don't believe me and then they, they then they actually see because you know i have my um, my friend kevin and, and my two students who uh, teach here with me uh, as well they actually see it every day you know so yeah. so i have witnesses <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah witnesses is true i'm not just making mm. stuff up yeah, no, but it's, it's great, you know, to, um, to, to do that, you know, uh, but yeah, you know, what, what, what kind of brought all this on mm -hmm. really was the, the unexpected and, and somewhat, you know, kind of Michael. tragic. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, Michael Daly. So, you know, my, my, my best friend, uh, mentor and teacher, um, wow. passed away uh, you know, uh, um, in September of 2021. Yeah. And he founded the guitar studio here. Um, so you took Warner. over his practice basically. Right. You know, I, at the, at the time, I mean, I've been teaching here for a better part of 20 years, 18, 19 years. Wow. Um, and, uh, and except for one year, I was up in, in Boston. I was studying at the New England Conservatory up there. And um, But other than that, I've been teaching here non Who were you studying with? Who was the head guitar? Elliot Fisk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Elliot's yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, he's great. He's great. And, and, and an intense instructor, too. And I mean that in, in the most flattering way, right? It was just... Uh, I've, I've was, seen him uh, do a master class at UT... And uh, at that point, I was well. I was I was not in Adam Holzman's studio. Uh, I was his uh, assistant. Then was Chad Iveson. He was the one teaching. Oh me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's fantastic. Chad's Chad great. Is, Chad's also a monster. Uh, yeah, he's but a brilliant musician. Yeah, he, sure. uh, he was playing uh, for Elliot Fisk in that master class, <laughs> and he was playing Bach. Mm -hmm. And Elliot Fisk was like, "Isn't that wonderful?" And he starts improvising, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Baroque baseline figure bass. Oh, uh, you do. Okay. Yeah, just sure. like, you know, and he starts playing like the melody and the piece and then starts improvising figure bass, like uh, layering it on it. And, and it's just like, and Chad is like, this guy's freaking me out right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I was just mesmerized like yeah. the whole time. Like, it's just yeah. incredible. So that's awesome. Yeah. Dude. yeah. Yeah, no, there's a story that people tell about Elliot, and I've, I've been told this story by several people who were there, and I believe it was at the Isolone Guitar Festival, and somebody asked him to play all the Bach he knew, mm. which was 
either a blessing or a mistake, depending on, on your perspective, because sure. he pretty much knows all of it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he played it. And apparently he just went on for hours, you, you know, and, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah. into the wee hours of the morning, you're talking like all the cello suites, all the, this yes. partitas, all of the, 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 uh, um, the, the lute suites, you, you know, I, I mean, who knows how many other keyboard arrangements and things. Yes. So uh, you went yeah, over he, there for a year and mm-hmm, you studied yeah. with them and then came That's back. Right and then that's right. continues teaching where you are at. Yeah. So, so I was there, so I, I was there actually as a part of a two year uh, graduate diploma program, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I left after a year there, um, a couple of reasons. One, it was just quite expensive, you, you know, and being in Boston is very expensive. Um, and the other one was my, my grandfather had passed away, mm-hmm. which um, he was a very central figure in my entire family dynamic. And I was actually living with him, uh, when I wasn't in Boston. Um, and, uh, and so it was just sort of a lot, it was, you know, uh, and, and yeah. I just kind of made the decision that, it, you know, was going to come home. And then I eventually started my, my doctorate at North Texas instead. Um, but Elliot, this is not only is he a brilliant musician, he's one of the most kind and generous people you'll ever meet. So he yeah. ended up giving me a whole bunch of extra lessons. Wow. You know, that last semester because he knew i wasn't coming back yeah and i filmed them all like i have them all recorded right so i have you know i have all these this this library of all these lessons a bunch of them like 16 or 18 lessons um you you know and uh uh, and they were two and three hours long some of those lessons right Mm -hmm. like quite long and he was doing them each one was on different really interesting and kind of important subject we did a couple lessons on the Soar Grand Solo. We did a couple mm-hmm. or three on the Ron West Concerto. We did uh, uh, Chacon. Mm. We did, uh, what else did we do? So, uh, so it's escaping me right now. I've got, yeah. but I've got it all. You know, El Ponce, the the jig from the Suite in A minor and some other, the Balletto and some, a few other things. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, he, that's the kind of guy he was, is. Yeah. Is, yeah, you know, yeah. very generous and just, unbelievable amounts of energy as a person his, his personality yes. and his drive is exactly like his playing yeah. <laughs> full of energy and life and 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 it just doesn't it doesn't stop that's so cool and so you so you came so you came back then and you were teaching um there and mm-hmm. the you were telling me about uh michael's passing and how yeah. this is what brought about a lot of your occurring circumstances mm-hmm. the current circumstances of just being extremely yeah. busy <laughs> yeah so i had about 40 students 38 mm-hmm. i think before um michael passed away and michael had 20 something or yeah. so michael was really for fort worth was the father of the classical guitar you know and mm-hmm. and and it's not that he was necessarily the first person in Fort Worth ever to play and teach classical guitar, but he had, he, 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 you know, had the first guitar studio like, you know, like this, he opened it in the, in the, in the early mid eighties, you know, uh, and it was just down the road from here. We've been in this spot that you can, you can see on the camera um, Mm. since 1990. Wow. 91. Um, And, uh, and he became a part of the culture around here. And he was very recognizable. The guy was six foot three, uh, long hair, 
big beard, always wore a suit and Birkenstock sandals. Right. So, it's, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and he was the sweetest person, right. Just the absolute sweetest person. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, and so he, when he passed away, you know, the, the community around here was really shocked. Right. And a lot of people, you know, after, when he, when he passed away the weekend afterwards, I opened the shop. He? Uh, he was 65. Yeah. He was very young. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty shocking. And so, you know, the weekend after he passed, I opened up the shop for people to come and visit and share Michael's stories. And there were so many people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and I, I was here, you know, that, that, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they were just coming in and sharing all these stories and people, you know, and, and for the next year, you know, I was still getting, I would get phone calls almost weekly, you know, even as far as out as nearly a year, it's really slowed down now and people not knowing, you know, like looking for him, yeah. you know, and I'm having to retell the story and let them down. And some cases, you know, they come into the shop and tell them and I'd have to sit down, you know, on the couches with them while they, you know, had to have a moment, you know, it's really difficult for, he was, you know, for a lot of people, he's a teacher, mentor, in some cases, father figure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, I've um, been there for so long. Yeah. Mm -hmm, there was yeah. something so meaningful too, for people, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and one of his students would joke, he'd say, you know, Michael, you're really expensive guitar lessons, but you're very cheap therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, uh, um, because you know, in, in a private lesson, it's a very, it's a unique setting. It's a unique relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not yeah. like being a teacher in a classroom necessarily. Although classroom teachers are very close with their students, right? So you'll never catch me saying bad word one about classroom teaching. Yeah. But when you're in a in a space and it's just you and one other person for thirty minutes, forty five minutes, an hour, you know, you really experience, get to know. Yeah. It is a unique experience. It's a very unique experience. And it's one that I've, I've grown over the years to have a tremendous amount of respect for, mm -hmm. for people's time. Yeah. And Michael was someone who really respected people's time, you know, and that was one of the things that, that why, I mean, we have students here at the shop who've been here for over 20 years taking lessons. Yeah. I had a student in the shop come in earlier today who's been, been with me for 17 years. Wow. You know, you're just here at the shop. You know, he's, he came in when he was like six or seven <laughs> and, you know, he just finished his undergrad. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've watched him grow. I, I played duets with him and his sister's quinceanera, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, there's, we're me and his whole, whole family. We're all friends. We're very close, you know? Yeah. And so when, when you kind of, when you're someone like Michael who offers something so genuinely, to to your community um you know it, it it's it hits hard when that's not there anymore sure yeah. um and and so you know when it happened i didn't know exactly you know students who've been with someone for 15 to 20 years you know and i've got like a dozen of them at least like, like this isn't just a few people right like we keep students here at the shop for long periods of time and and, you know, I was very worried, you know, I go, well, are they going to want to stick around? And, and I wasn't going to take it personally, 
right? Because that's a relationship they built of course. Yeah. With, with, with a very specific person. But I got to tell you, not a one of them has quit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know? it would make sense, you know, if knowing that, that uh, in a lot of ways, you're not just inheriting the place, but his lineage as far as uh, being a teacher and being a mentor and like, you're probably the, yeah. Like, where are they going to go that they're going to get the closest uh, kind of uh, values and teachings that Michael would give them than his close friend and student, you know, that's that, that makes sense. I, although, mm -hmm. although I understand, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, if they chose, chose to leave, you know, like it will be okay too. But, yeah, I would understand, you know, I mean, first of all, there's the grief side of it, like take, take whatever yeah. the quality of the guitar lessons and all of that and whatever my personality is like, put all that aside, Yeah, just as, as an independent variable, the grief of losing someone who, who you've seen every week for, you know, maybe an hour for 15, 18, 20 years. I mean, that's yeah. powerful. That's, yeah. that's really powerful. You know, so if people if people couldn't continue, I 100% was ready to accept that. You know, um, uh, Michael, you know, he taught. I made plenty of mistakes early on in my teaching, and maybe rescheduling lessons too much, and missing things, being kind of young and sort of flighty, and 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 yeah. uh, he really, you know, he took me aside and and go back to the subject of time, you know, really taught me, you know, the, the value of, of, of time, mm -hmm. you know, other people's time, you know, and what it means when someone, not only are they wanting to come to you and spend their time that week, but the money that they earned to pay for that is time again. Yes. You know, and that's the most valuable commodity we have is time. Mm -hmm. And we don't actually, it's the one commodity. It's our most valuable commodity. And we don't actually know how much we have. Yeah, that's right. Right. And that's really powerful. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one that, of the that, things I try that to makes it even story. more valuable. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You it's do not like, know how much you have in the bank. It's like uh, telling someone like I'm selling this for $50 today. You know, huh. this this mouse, I'm selling this mouse to you. So, so you know, MX Master Logitech. It's a nice, it's a nice mouse. I'm selling it to you for right. 50 bucks. Uh, but at any moment, it's gonna go up to a hundred bucks. So <laughs> right. you don't know when that moment's gonna come. But right. there's that yeah. sense. Or it of... could go down to 25 cents. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. You could so... you you could live to your 105 years old, or mm -hmm. today can be your last day. That's right. Right. Yeah. So you don't you just don't know. Yeah. Um and 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 so you know michael really he 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 really made a point yeah. because he never he didn't miss lessons really like, you know he didn't he didn't miss gigs he didn't you know he you know he was a musician he liked to sleep in a bit maybe he'd be late every <laughs> once in a while <laughs> it, you know but nothing nothing like offensive right I, mm -hmm. obviously because of all these people that stuck stuck, stuck around for so long yeah and, and so, so, you know, it became, it became kind of the, the bedrock of the ethic. And of course, being very student focused, right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about me. It's not about Michael. Yeah. It's not about, you know, it's about the culture of the guitar and helping the guitar persist. Right. 
because, you know, he wanted me to be able to make a living and his other students want to be able to make a living. I want that same thing, yes. you know, and, and and for those who who are just coming to study because they love the guitar and they love its music, regardless of its style, you know, we want to make sure that this is a place where people can come and they're given the tools to do that. Yeah. You know, and I think that um, like being here for 20 years with him, you know, uh, really, I got to see on a regular basis every week for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. What that meant. Yeah. You know, and so his his mentorship of me, you know, went a lot way beyond guitar things there's plenty of that of course yeah you know um uh um and and i i've had wonderful teachers too you, you know tom johnson mm -hmm. at north texas has been uh, you know he i did all my i did my undergraduate my master's and doctorate with him and he's i, I was actually just talking to him on on the phone right before i i, I caught up with you no. um and he's he's been tremendous uh you know um i can't understand uh, understate that uh, yeah. brilliant educator, very funny guy, um, yeah. uh, and, and really cared a lot about the trajectory of my career. Um, and would always co-sign on anything I wanted to do. <laughs> very supportive, you, yeah. you know, not actually co-sign on a car loan, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but was there to, <laughs> there to recommend me for things. And, sure. and, and to, I went to Germany with him twice and, yeah. uh, I went to Canada with him once, you know, a really brilliant guy, uh, very funny. Um, and, uh, you know, the, of course, Elliot, I studied with, I did study with Adam Holzman uh, for about mm -hmm. three and a half years, kind of every other week, but I wasn't yeah. a UT Austin student. I, I, I just went down there and, and you know, yeah. Adam, Adam taught me, I think, how to be tough and to really yeah. expect the most out of my own playing, right, in a certain way, you know, yes. you, you know. Uh, uh, and, 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 and Adam and I are still this disappointing. Still Adam Holzman is the toughest thing to deal with for me. Still. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't fun at the time, but, no. you, but, you know, cause you really wanted, you, I really wanted it. And this is true with all my teachers, you know, but yes. I really wanted to practice well. And, and, um, you, you know, and I remember one time, uh, I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I, I was never a, a person who wouldn't practice, you, you mm -hmm. know, uh, but there's some passage and I, I wasn't really getting it right. And, and I, I was, I don't know if I was nervous or, or something. And, and he's like, well, what, why, why is this happening here? And, and I go, well, it's, it's hard. And he goes, oh, is it hard? <laughs> and I was like, oh no, what did I just say? I just stuck yeah. my foot in my mouth. And it's like, but he, was, he had a purpose for saying that. He wasn't trying to just beat yes. me up. You know, he, the purpose was, you know, you, 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 he, he's like, no, I mean, why is it hard? Like, what is happening here in this passage? Yeah. Right. And, and he just sat there and he, he let me kind of figure out, you know, and Tom was, Tom would do things like that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's a certain amount of heuristic, you know, in this sort of self-learning process yeah. that kind of has to go in. Like if you're going to synthesize a piece of information, I don't care if it's guitar or whatever else, there, there's a certain amount of tinkering that you have to do. And sometimes in a lesson, I feel like myself as a student and other students where we kind of wait for an answer from our instructor. Mm -hmm. But a good instructor knows that, that, that you have to equip that student also to be able to answer questions on their own, yeah. but they have to know how to ask the questions to themselves. 
Yes. Right. And so I think, I think, you know, Adam in a joking way, of course, but tough and same with Tom, you know, was, were training me to ask questions like that of myself, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that was, you know, that was a good, that was one of those Holzman moments that, that I look back on very fondly. It was a long time ago. Yeah. So when I was studying at UT, um, I was always studying there his TAs because my major was not classical guitar. My major was composition and theory. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I, he had a, a separate studio for people that chose classical guitar as their instrument, but mm-hmm. who were not a classical guitar major. Okay. And yeah. That right. studio was taught by his TAs. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Who first for me was Joe Williams. Uh, oh, Joe. Williams. He's great. I love yeah. that guy. Uh, and then second was Chad and, you know, mm-hmm. God bless them. They were really patient with me. I, <laughs> I grew up being self-taught. And so I sure. had an idea of how to play classical and Joe was the first one that took me and he whooped me into shape. And, uh, I had a moment with several moments with Holzman where, you know, we'll go, basically we had a, a master class every Friday where all that awesome. second studio will get together and Holzman was there. And he we will go up there and we'll play for him our little, you know, Brower etude or whatever. And we'll play for him and then he'll, you know, give us commentary or and he sometimes we'll talk about nails for like the whole hour that we were <laughs> there. Sure. And it was it was so great. But yeah, they're always this like super deep, like value life lessons that you'll get mm-hmm. like you could extract from there. Like it was like you were saying earlier with Michael somehow like it's not just about learning the skill of being mm-hmm. technically proficient at playing the guitar but right. there are some deep lessons in in this world that can be extracted and be applied to every area of your life and some in some ways simple like practical ways uh like you know like if i'm going to reach over on a cabinet to to get something like you can slow the process and think about what you're doing. So that is the most efficient way of, you know, mm-hmm. reaching right. out and you're not hurting yourself. You're not, and that kind of thing. But right. then there's also even more, I think, fundamental lessons. And a lot of those came when it came to learning how to become a depend an independent player. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. that, that a uh, kind of a, you got to learn to ask the questions to yourself and almost like you're the instructor asking yourself that question. Like he asked you that question because right. he wants you to ask that question to yourself. Right. So exactly. that when you're practicing, yeah. that's what you're doing. And that's the mode you're thinking. And that's the mode you're in. I love teaching. Yeah. And and one of the reasons that I love teaching is because I, I learned from, you know, people like him that the goal is not to, uh, give information to students it's the goal is to instill uh, transformation uh, right. so, so that yeah that's good then, that's a good way and then going yeah. and then so that the move the student can move from dependence to independence like raising children even though i don't have any mm-hmm. children but the goal of raising children is to let them go <laughs> right yeah. for them to be on their own and not be dependent right. of you although right. there's always going to be a inter- interdependent component to your relationship um, to with them, yeah. you know, you get value out of them, they get value out of you. But at some point, the dynamic is not that of you're up here and they're down here in mm-hmm. intellect and, you know, societal status or whatever. But 
but at right. some point you want to see eye to eye, uh, understanding we're both created, you know, in the image of God, and we're equal. Yes, right. I need that or whatever, but we are, you know, just two people walking this world and being able to to become self-sufficient and have other uh, be able to teach others i mean I, I, there's so many cool lessons that i feel like i learned in college from people like holzman in particular mm-hmm. but you know other other great teachers that i've had so it's cool because i growing up i didn't have many uh father figures yeah. that i really admired and that i aspire to be like um, right so you know one of them is my father-in-law who actually i had on the podcast and we had a really cool chat um oh, cool. but i didn't meet him until you know after <laughs> i was was it 21 22 years old something like sure. that and uh yeah, that's quite you know, a, a lot of life to live before yeah, you meet someone I, like that. yeah and you know i i did have you know some of my uncles and all that but we never had such a close relationship and uh, mm-hmm. i grew up with a uh, my mom was a uh, single mom and so oh, that yeah. was that was tough and i did sure. occasionally yeah. saw my dad like every week every other week but i would never be and i did admire and respect him uh he was a uh sicario <laughs> with the uh, with in, in in mexico so he led a pretty pretty uh rough life you know of, of oh uh, he's a what Sicario, Sicario, it's a, it's kind of like a, like a hitman or something like that. Oh, yeah, he was involved in 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 the, the drug world in Mexico and with the narcos, and he was a martial artist, and uh, he was a very, very intense person. The people feared Uh, him and respect him. Wow, that's that's really that's an unusual thing element to have in 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 your life especially so young it was it was very uh very strange being his child growing up and and when people learned that knew him that i was his son you could see their expression change Hmm. and and it was like oh wow that's your dad i was like yeah it's my dad i'm like oh (laughs) so it was a I and I didn't grow up being close to him, and in some ways, I'm grateful to God for that because I don't know where I would be. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's yeah. I mean, you don't even, you know, just coming from from you know my my life experience and, and background, I, I don't even know how to frame that that kind of that kind of thought. You know, especially as, as a young young person, that must have been it. Uh, it was a little intense. weird. Yeah, it was a little weird just because sure. I think people were afraid of him. A lot of them were. Yeah, that I mean, um, I'm... probably with good reason. I I didn't actually learn a lot from him directly from him until I was twenty two, and I I got engaged and I drove to his home, uh, uh, town which shall remain unnamed. Um, <laughs> And sure. I, <laughs> I um I invited him to the wedding and he knew some people were gonna be there that he still wasn't in good terms with, so he decided not to go. But that yeah. day was the last time that I was actually able to speak with him because he passed away in 2016. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And so uh, but I mean it was kind of sweet because he 
uh, that that time I got to chat with him, I got to learn a lot about him and and in some ways about myself too, right? Um, but about um, some of the things, the life that he led. You know, it was just a very dark, very uh, very violent <laughs> life in some ways. But his past last eight years or so, ten maybe ten years of life, he he left that world and he started yeah. a new family in there's like four kids and uh his his um uh, you got some half siblings yeah, yeah i oh i got so many um but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's it's sorry I, to to detract from all that we we're talking about but no that's all right it's a, that's quite it's quite fa- fascinating i mean you know i mean obviously very heavy and yes. sort of tragic but but you know that's that there's um you could write a book about that practically I, Probably could, uh, maybe one day I will. But he, um, he was a very fascinating person and yeah, uh, very good. smart, very respected, mm-hmm. um, and uh, just in a lot of ways he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, all the time, and uh, yeah. he got involved with some really high up people in the drug world and and the border, almost by accident. And he was a martial artist and tough and scary. And so anyway, I didn't have a lot of people in my life that I looked up to that I wanted to be like, you know, I always had this desire to, to pursue wisdom and knowledge. And, um, I don't know if I get that from him or from my mom or from both or what, but, um, I, I, uh, they didn't have a lot of people that I looked up to that I was like, man, like that person has this like level of wisdom that I wish to attain or that I like that I aim for in life. Um, and I started seeing some more of those, some more of those men when I, when I started going to college. And then, you know, like I said, when I met my father-in-law and Holzman was one of those people, you know, he's just this tower and figure, um, that is very imposing and very intense, but everything about him just exudes like father, dad. And so, yeah. I mean, part of the reason that I started getting a little heavy there was was uh, intentional because uh, I, I wanted to transition us a little bit more into talking about cultural things and oh, social boy. things because yeah. that was a little bit more on the, on the, you know, the first time we met and you reached out to me on Facebook, you're like, right. hey, you are a guitar guy, and we have similar similar connections, and mm-hmm. I'm a guitar guy. Uh, why don't we get together for coffee? And right. uh, I was yeah. like, that sounds lovely. Like, I don't. Th- I think mm-hmm. it's the first time that someone just reached out to me on Facebook and just invited me out for coffee. Like that was so cool. I wish oh. that, that's. I wish that was more of what Facebook was about, but. Mm. Anyway, no, I don't know why it exists, you, you know, <laughs> right, right, perhaps you don't want to meet everyone for coffee who might invite you. But <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think that a lot of people will be fine, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm glad I made it through the filter. <laughs> yeah. And so no, that was, that was really nice, actually. And yeah, we went I, together. I felt kind of bad because that day I was really out of it. I don't know if I had allergies or what, but yeah. I, I, I was, you know, I, I had a lovely time, but my brain was just doing, sometimes whenever I've been working all day or I've been going all day, my brain yeah. just kind of slows down a bunch. 
and yeah. I get the beach ball of death you get on Apple computers, you know? Uh, yep. Yeah, just, I know exactly what you mean. I stutter a lot or I I also have a lot of thoughts in my mind at once and mm -hmm. I'm always making connections that are just firing into places and I'm always trying to reduce them to the most like compact thing that I can so so that I can just kind of lay down an idea. And, right. And it's cool that I can, you know, uh, synthesize thoughts that way I, I enjoy that a lot but what happens sometimes i get like weird neurons firing in different places and i start saying something and i'm like oh my goodness i don't know where i was even going with this mm -hmm. and, yeah no. and all, all the time like, i, I think, totally get that i think uh if people listen to this uh enough they'll start seeing that yeah i, it's I think it's a terrifying. creative people thing creative people are like that you know yeah. i think um you know, we get the the ADHD label plenty, yeah. you know, and, and there's probably, I mean, there's truth to that sort of thing, right? It's not, I'm not saying it doesn't exist because I'm, I'm like a prime example. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it is, there's, there's, there's a certain, you know, there is, is a certain um, double-edged sword to the creativity thing, yes. right? Yeah. It's that, it's that, uh, that, that inner, it's like the inner Robin Williams of us all where we're just <laughs> <laughs> everything is just just you know uh you know what, what they call it call it uh, stream of consciousness you, that's you, right you know that's right and so yeah. so yeah you kind of get get into it but yeah so when we met that first time we spent like the whole time the entire time talking about pe people that we know and we talked about classical guitar a lot mm -hmm. and all of that and then towards the last like two or three minutes we realized Oh yeah, we have all this other set of things and interests in, that we share, mm -hmm. um, and then we're like, "Well, <laughs> we should probably get together again." And I don't know that we yeah. ever did to talk about those uh, things. I don't think so. I think I, we might have got met for another coffee. I feel like we had another coffee at some point. Yes, um, we had a second part. coffee. Yeah, and then, you know, you 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 came to my church and you all went for a while, but your church, you know, it's like. There's oh, lots yeah. of people. We never, we never had a substantial conversation. I don't think. Yeah, not a church. Yeah, but you know, I, I know we we talked a lot about some social issues and things, and you know, and and you know, it's tricky for me these things because I teach in higher education, mm -hmm. and I'm very careful about how I broach those subjects because in higher education, you're in adult education, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 um. I'm very sensitive to the things that hobble my ability to be an effective adult educator, you know, and, yeah. and so, you know, I don't, I don't endorse any politicians, you know, publicly. And I don't even really, I will criticize politicians all day. You, you name a politician and I will criticize that person, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, um, um, because they're, you know, they, they are, they believe to some extent that they have solutions yeah. to populations of varying size, depending on the yeah. office which I, they. Possess. I would I will say a a quote that I that I heard recently from a pundit who shall go unnamed, or else mm -hmm. people will just immediately stop listening to this podcast. But the the quote was, uh, "Politics is all about getting the wrong people to do the right things." And <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. So 
yeah, po politicians, man, I, I can criticize them yeah. all day. And I think that's kind of what the point is. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I, I don't like the cult of personality thing yeah. around around. Yeah, I don't think in general it's healthy, but around politicians, I think because it's particularly unhealthy because we really when when you you know whenever for example if if we were to propose a medicine mm. you know there is or ought to be a, a certain amount of rigor that that's put through over a period of time yeah. and i know this is a very hot subject in and of itself sure. <laughs> but but you know over especially over the last three years but let, let's put all that aside you know generally if you're going to if you're going to apply some kind of medical salve to a problem, it's go, it goes through some rigor, mm -hmm. you know, well, what is a policy if not a salve of some sort? Yeah. It's a prescription. You know? Right. Yeah. It, it is a prescription and we don't owe that anything. We don't owe that loyalty. That, that That's not that we, when, when somebody says, I have this solution for, for this problem for society, our job is to go prove it. Yeah. Right. Like you are going to do X and Y and you're so in the bet under the absolute best circumstances, a policy ought to either improve the lives of people or even if it's a certain targeted, you know, section of society mm -hmm. and then have null effect on everyone else. Yeah. Right. And now that's that's idealistic. Right. You can't necessarily do, do that because then you can't predict outcomes in their total. Right. So you have to be sort of reasonable, you know, um, but this is sort of you could say that's the controller, this sort of baseline. Yeah. You, you know, and and and, you know, that, that that's not a that, that's not a person. These They're, they're not going to send you a card when your grandmother passes away. They're not going <laughs> to you know, you know, babysit your kid like th this, this, th th you don't owe the politicians anything really like in terms of loyalty or outward praise or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I appreciate that they're, that they're willing to go through the amount of scrutiny that they go through and, mm -hmm. and obviously getting elected is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't, don't think it is proper for people to be abusive. And that's absolutely unacceptable yeah you know but but any sort of cult of personality stuff has to it has to go away yeah i mean it just it's a recipe for disaster mm -hmm. you know um so when it comes to social issues you know and you know in my place in higher ed i've kind of become i mean i vote and things like that you know but yeah. uh you know i don't I, I don't vote on every single issue because i don't necessarily feel that i'm fully educated on every single issue. And mm -hmm. in that way, I can at least be somewhat politically mysterious, Yeah, you know, uh, you know, but because I'm critical, you know, some people, you know, who are more left-leaning might think I'm very right-leaning. Yeah. Some people who are very right-leaning might think I'm very left-leaning. Mm -hmm. You know, I have people in, you know, in, in, you know, I live in Texas and but I'm a musician. So people, because I'm an artist, they automatically assume oh, yeah. that, you know, uh, that I'm, uh, that I'm more left-leaning, yeah. but people who are artists know that I'm a yeah. Texan. So they may yeah. assume that I'm more right-leaning, you know? So it's, yeah. Cause there's a strong association between creative people and being open-minded. And that tends to be more of a, a liberal uh, 
like personality trait. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the 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 big five, you know, I think you and I've talked about this before, the big mm-hmm. five personality traits is yeah. sort of openness, openness, creativity, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism is what I understand is kind of the strongest predictor of the way someone would tend to vote outside of like cultural, yeah. you know, or you know, sort, sort of peer pressures, cultural values, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tends to be the biggest predictor. And, and, and yeah, a, a creativity it tends to predict, predict left, you know? Um, uh, So, so, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those things where even if you don't like myself, you just, you know, cease to endorse candidates and stuff like people will find a way to try to predict and put you in a box because it makes their world more navigable. Right. And if your world is more navigable, you feel safer. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, yeah. I, uh, well, we, <laughs> I try we, my best. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we like to compartmentalize things and, and it helps navigate life because, you know, especially if you're someone that's very creative, like like I am, and, and I just have this kind of explosive kind of creativity, which is very interesting because I was talking to my wife yesterday and she's very creative, but she's a different type of creative. She She's more like the person that would, she's going to torture herself over this subtlety until it's right. She's a little uh-huh. bit more, she's very technical about her approach to creativity yeah. and it has to be just so, even if it's not, it's, it's trash <laughs> yeah. and it could be really, so you've, got, you've got kind of, the, the, you've got the, the Beethoven and the Mozart in the same house. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's, exactly, <laughs> yeah. that's a really great way of putting it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I was thinking more more obscure composers, uh, Corleano, yeah. uh, Silvestre Revueltas, but I guess Mozart and Beethoven work. <laughs> you know, I heard, actually, I heard a Revueltas uh, yeah. uh, work for orchestra over the weekend in person. Uh, I was up in Oklahoma City. We heard the Oklahoma City Philharmonic, um, and it was the soundtrack to a documentary film uh, about a fishing community in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they- uh, Rojo or Brett something. So, yes, yeah, yes, yes, that sounds, yes, that's it, yeah. that's the yeah. one, yeah, they they performed that work, uh, it was really good, it was yeah. really very yeah. nice. So Revoltus is one of my favorite composers, and I'm yeah. kind of biased because yeah. I'm Mexican, but he well, has a lot of that he, flavor. Was he the one who was basically driven to drink himself to death by Cervantes? I, or, I know he was a raging alcoholic, and he died very young because of his alcoholism, uh, so, but, my my understanding was that his mentor was Cervantes, right? Or, uh, was Cervantes? Or who I, no, no, who am I thinking of? No, uh, not he was friends with uh, Chavez, Carlos Chavez. Chavez. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Chavez. I'm sorry, not Cervantes. I was playing a Cervantes guitar over the weekend up in Oklahoma City. Uh, sorry, <laughs> no, no, Chavez, Chavez. So yeah. I was. I took this um, Cervantes is a, a contemporary writer writer with okay. Shakespeare. They're actually yeah. born the same day. Anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now we're doing the ADHD thing. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so no, the, um, I had this, this really, really tough professor who taught uh, the advanced issues in, uh, in music research, the doctoral seminar. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, is UNT's kind of resident expert in Latin American music. He's from Argentina himself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was telling this story about how um, Chavez had, had, you know, been jealous 
of Revoltus yes. and drove yes. him to drink more. Mm-hmm. And basically some people blame Chavez and him on Revoltus death from alcoholism. Wow. I knew, I knew yeah. it's weird. They had a really weird relationship. I knew there was friendship and that at some point it was Chavez that was encouraging him to compose more because he really admired him. I mean, and so like some people called Revoltus the, the Mexican Stravinsky, uh, because he really has that kind of kind of flavor um mm. to the sound. And they're they're a generation after Debussy, and they they looked at uh well, Revolta's looked at Debussy and were like, man, that's the sound that I had in mind, or something like that. He was a very <laughs> strange guy. But then towards the end, they started competing a lot, I think due to positions and and politics, unfortunately, talking about politics. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um you know that that class uh, was really my not my first exposure to that music, but certainly my my first in, more in depth exposure. You know, I think yeah. being from Texas and studying classical music in Texas, you can't you can't really do that. I think in an authentic way, without because and and in guitar, of course, right? Because yeah. guitar in Latin American music, I mean, like the classical guitar wouldn't be what it is without Latin American music. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, so much of our most important literature is from Latin America. Antonio Laudo. Yeah. And and Ponce and, you know, and, and, and Jorge Morel and, and, and a host of others, right? Like, I mean, the list is a mile long. Um, uh, So, so, you know, I, I, I know, I knew the names and I'd heard some works, but it wasn't really until that, that class that I really, because we actually, we had to study, we were talking about the question, what is folk music, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Which of course talks about everything from commercialization to nationalism and a whole bunch of other other topics. Right. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah. Um, And and include, and including the social issues of the time. Right. That's how we got here, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we can't stop talking about this. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, definitely we're talking about the creative, the different types of creative people and, and the influence of creativity and the in uh, people's making decisions. Um, I don't know that creativity is one of the big five. Uh, I think it's openness, conscientiousness, uh, conscientiousness, extroversion, that's, that's extroversion. Right. And then neuroticness and neur and neurot. I can't ever say that word. Neuroticism. 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 Yeah. yeah, which is the only kind of exclusively negative trait. I think creativity right. is very closely linked to openness to experience. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's like a subcategory. I think yes. within yeah. openness, it's like it's like a sub dimension, I guess. And yeah. yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, conscientiousness. Excuse me. Yes. That's that's absolutely correct. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You know, I think in regards to social issues i think we saw really what a disaster yeah um, and we can go another 15 minutes is. or so something like that okay social okay, media yeah. yeah yeah i think social media we learned what a disaster social media is for yeah. social issues you know i think there was a lot of good done with the documentary a social dilemma and the uh yeah. the uh, uh organization the Center for Humane Technology that was spawned by the main figure in that, uh, you know, the, the um, Tristan Harris. Yes, yes. He, uh, you know, I I admire him actually. Yeah. Well, I, I think I he, saw that that documentary because we were talking about it, and you mentioned it, and I went home and I watched it, and it was very, mm. very uh, 
I mean, it blew my mind and very uh, kind of depressive in some ways. But yeah, it's, it's, it's it is really difficult. The, the first time I think I, I really, the, well, the, I can tell you what caused me to step back from uh, uh, the things that's caused me to step back from interacting on Facebook on issues, mm. major issues. Yeah. Um, one is I started to notice what it was doing to my own mood and the way it would consume my time. Yeah. And then the way that would be reflected in how I would speak to other people. Yeah. Um, so, that, you know, that that's, you know, I needed, I needed to take ownership of that, you know, yes. and then I read um, uh, the coddling of the American mind mm-hmm. uh, by uh, Greg Lukianoff and, um, and uh, Jonathan, um, Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the book, I think, is unfortunately named um, because I've tried to recommend it to some people and they associate <laughs> the word coddling with, you know, words like snowflake and stuff like that. And, and so it, it comes off as being like yeah. a right wing book. But they didn't the, the authors did not name the book. Actually, they didn't want to call it that specifically for that reason. Uh, Greg Lukianov used to work for the ACLU which is anything but right-leaning, leaning. Yeah. And Jonathan Haidt is, you know, the professor of, of uh, social science, social psychology, excuse me, yeah. at NYU, right? These are these men have never voted for a Republican in their entire lives, yep. right? But they're good social scientists and they wrote it honestly based on the data. Yes. And you start to see what happens to people when they get on social media, Yeah, you, you know, and you see what happens to the tragic you know, uptick in suicide rates for young people, you know, these, these things, you know, if people knew just how bad interacting on social media is not just for their own mental health and society's mental health, but also for the causes that they're supposedly fighting for, they would never utter another word about those things online ever again. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's and it's heartbreaking because some of the people I see do it, I know, are scientists. Yeah. No, but they'll get on, you know, they'll get on Facebook or whatever, and they'll post this thing, and then you can show them the data. And they're scientists; they know how to read it. Mm -hmm. But that urge is so powerful that they can't keep from doing it. Yeah. Um, And so I just told myself, you know. The, the most serious thing I'm going to argue about on Facebook is whether or not there should be beans and chili. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, my, right. my, um, the, the way that it affected me, uh, when it comes to my social media interactions, I mean, one, I, I use social media for two purposes. Uh, one is marketing, content marketing, yeah. funneling people, here's a bunch of free stuff that I think is valuable and Mm -hmm. hopefully people will want to know more about who I am and what I do. And then the other thing is uh, for my close friends or people that I actually know and that I would be Mm -hmm. willing to have a conversation with. So, and that I know care about me enough that they they would be willing to have a conversation with me. So the people that I have on my Facebook for the most part, I don't know that everybody, but for the most part are people that, I would sit down with and have a conversation with and that I actually care what they have to say about this thing. I think they care about and they know me enough or they know about me enough to know that I'm not 
to not just be able to because part of the pro, part of what happens is that people are having all these debates with avatars of who they think the person they're talking to is, and, right. and it's all based on this compartmentalizing of ideologies of like, well, you're a leftist, or you're a right winger, or you're a you know climate denier, or you're a whatever, and we're arguing not against the person, but we're arguing with our avatar idea of what a climate denier is or what a mm -hmm. Trump supporter is or what a, and so I've actually had conversations where, where people will be like, well, are you a Trump supporter? And I'm like, well, hold on. What does that even matter? And like, you, you're having a conversation with me right now and we're talking mm -hmm. about issues and specifics about stuff. Right. And, but he wants to be able to put that label on me so that he can then attack that label. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, yeah that, that that that's right. I mean, there, it is. I remember talking with a, one of my classmates in school. We were talking about you know one of the things that ought to be taught is is rhetoric, right? Like understanding things like logical fallacies. Yeah, I took a rhetoric class in college, and that's whenever I became familiar with a lot of the like traditional uh, fallacies. Because a lot of what we get are things like, you know, ad hominem, right, or to the man or to attacking the person instead of the idea. Yeah. You see that constantly online. Uh, mm -hmm. Reductio ad absurdum, right? It's just you reducing everything down to its uh, uh, the point of it being or looking absurd. It's a sort of an overly reductive way of looking at things. Yeah. You, you know, um, uh, the, uh, what do they call it? The um, stick man uh, or not the stick man, uh, straw man. The straw man. Straw, straw man uh, is another one. Um, you know, it's it, it's um, there's the naturalistic fallacy, right? Yeah. It's where you're, you know, pe people will just state something that they uh, they observe, and then someone will behave or yeah. treat them as if they're saying that's the way things ought to be. Mm -hmm. It's mixing up is and ought, right? And that's a yes. big one I've run into a lot. And people end up talking past each other. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's the the big problem online is that humans in mass have only been reading for, you know, in, law, in any reasonable numbers for 500 years, right? Yeah. Since the printing press. But when you look at the world's population and the, and the literacy rates, it's only gotten to where most of the world is literate within the last 50 years, right? Yeah. So humans don't have a lot of experiments or experience uh, communicating in writing. Yes. And we're doing so yeah. much of that right now. Yeah. A lot, you, you know, and, and, and the writing that we do do, maybe it's poor or it's missing a lot of context. We yes. don't have in vocal inflections. We don't have facial cues. Yeah. Everything we ought to know about communicating in social media points towards don't do it. <laughs> right but things yeah. for like advertising let people know where you're going on sharing pictures of bacon you, you know uh yeah. um, you know family things you know stuff being uplifting you know that these kinds of things that, that that can add a little bit of positive spice to someone's life sure absolutely you know or helps drive some business into your store mm -hmm. or whatever yes of course but yeah, but but for things like trying to debate somebody in some other state, or your your like, you know, your high school lab partner you haven't seen right. in twenty five years, <laughs> like, are you bananas? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, a no, terrible. I was, I was having some come, it hit me. And so what I did is I, uh, Facebook, I, did, I, uh, unfriended like 400 people or something like that. Um, there are people that generally didn't know, or like I met right. once or something like that. Right. And I'm just like, would I be willing to engage in a difficult conversation with them? Eh, maybe not. Maybe not on Facebook. Like if it was in person, mm -hmm. sure, anyone. But uh, I think one thing that's interesting in talking about writing, have, have you ever experienced writing a book by someone that you listen to talk a lot? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, like I, I've read a Tim Keller, a bunch of Tim Keller books. I, I really enjoy the pastor uh, mm -hmm. from New York. And I'm very familiar with his voice because I listen to his sermons like every now and then. Uh, so when I read his book, I hear his voice. I read it on his voice. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I've been there. I get and that. So, yeah. Or or uh, another person, uh, Jordan Peterson. I, I read, uh, you know, the, the 12 rules and beyond order. And you hear it in his voice because you're so used to hearing his voice, you know, on other ways. And uh, I feel like if when you're doing reading, you can actually hear the person talking. It's it makes a little bit more sense. So that's why I feel like it, yeah. if it's in, you know, like we've talked a good bit so that if I send something to you via Facebook, even if it's a paragraph, you might be able to read it on my, with my voice and the nuance right. that it has so that you actually get a pretty good idea of what I'm saying. But if you're not familiar with my voice, man, like who knows what happens with the text, what kind of information you're getting. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, there is a lot of, there are so many gaps that you're having to fill in. Yeah. You know, and and I think that we're prone to not be terribly charitable with things we don't understand, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Um, and none of us are nearly as smart as we think we are. Some of us might be, you know, if you're if you're if, we're, if you're particularly hard on yourself, maybe you're smarter than you think you are. Yeah. But but you know, I mean, we 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 really. We're, maybe that's not the right way to phrase it. Mm -hmm. We're not aware of our blind spots. We don't know what we don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, uh, it, it, and it's hard to, to admit that, you know, online when you're arguing or whatever, you know, and, and you don't know who's re else is reading it and so on, yeah. you know, so it's just originally, I really liked the idea. idea. Originally, yeah. I really liked the idea of doing it and actually yeah. engaged on a few conversations like yep. that because Same. you get to you have you get time to lay mm -hmm. down your thoughts as carefully and craft it as carefully as you as you can and mm -hmm. all these things. And so you think I'm communicating this as clearly as you could possibly and you know I'm linking, you know, articles and stuff and it's just not what it comes across as, you know, when you pick, because yeah. the intention is different. Like if you pick a book, you do it because you want to learn from it and you, it's a very particular mm -hmm. approach or you want to, you know, get a story out of it or something. But when someone sends you a block of text, especially in the middle of a debate, like it doesn't matter what they're saying. You're like, mm -hmm. they send me a block of text and I have to read this crap and it's just going to be him. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, it's like with bullying, you know, online, mm. it, you know, you, it follows you around in your pocket. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
and and you can't you know if you're married or have kids don't have kids whatever like that should be your space for you and your family yeah and not you and your family and the bully or the argument or whatever you know and that's that's the thing you know with the young kids that i worry about and you know i've been the subject of online bullying and harassment before and and it's 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 really it's really awful it's an awful experience and and you know and and i think that that uh you know um apart from yeah you see that big block and you're like ugh, (laughs) a big bunch of text you're like oh man too long didn't read you know and and, you know and and so so yeah just the the interface doesn't work the way that we would we hoped that it would work Yes. You know, but then there's this other side of the actual communication dynamic across time, you know, and, and, and in the particular space um, that makes it sort of even more pernicious yeah. than, 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 and invasive than we had predicted, you know, where do you think things go, you know, with, uh, it, it seems like the, the main mode of communication it's likely not going to continue to be text for much mm-hmm. longer, although I'm sure there's going to continue to be that. But I, I, you know, with the whole new world of, of uh, virtual reality and, and you know, what we're doing, video communication, you know, I'm in Wisconsin. It's freaking mm-hmm. cold. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you're in Texas. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're able to have this conversation, you know, this, uh, mm-hmm. I like to think a very substantial conversation. Of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it is wonderful. So, so that's the thing. It's like the automobile, like it took us a while to, to, to add the seatbelt and then to use it, you know, <laughs> and it, you know, and then it took a while to get the airbag and, you know, and now we've got all kinds of sensors and stuff and we kind of figure things out. We take and them a lot for granted that, too. It, yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, it, it's a matter of becoming aware of precisely what the problem is. And I'm not talking about like adding censorship and stuff like that. That's, I'm, I'm not interested in, in that. Yeah. Um, um, but, but helping to educate people about, you know, pra- best practices on an individual level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we, 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 we learn to look both ways before we cross the street. You know, don't take, you know, invitations from strangers, things like that when we're a kid, you know, and. And, and so I think it's, it, it's sort of a learned behavior. We're in an, in a, an adaptive bottleneck right now. So, so when we're, when we're, when we're trying to navigate that space, you know, we're ultimately, you know, I, I heard it uh, compared to um, not this particular subject, but I've heard this comparison, similar one with the, the horrible, the boxing day tsunami that happened that wiped out the massive population on, you know, in Southeast Asia and you know, elsewhere. Um, you know, there was so, so much of the world that didn't understand what a tsunami was really. But in an instant that those videos went across yes. the globe and everyone immediately learned what a tsunami was and yes. what it behaved, how it behaved and how to predict it and so on. Even if you were landlocked by thousands of miles, you knew, you know. And so it, it takes sometimes this just cultural upheaval in a way for people to go oh this is not good like this is not solving the problems we thought it was and it actually it's creating a whole bunch of other problems so we need to have a sort of an understanding of 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 what this is yeah exactly 
um, and then start equipping, so especially young people with the sets of tools they need to kind of drive down those, those, those upticks that we've seen in things like su suicidal ideation and, so and, and those I, things. Yeah. I think a final question to kind of get us to a wrap here um, mm -hmm. and in the spirit of teaching and, and instructing a new generation too, you know, like we started talking about and in light of this whole social media mess, you're talking, mm -hmm. you said the word equipping and with tools and things like that. How, how do we go about equipping the, you know, the Gen Z and then the, 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 the post COVID generation, yeah. you know, uh, to, to help them with the dealing with this stuff, you know? Well, you know, uh, first, I think we have to agree that we've made mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to admit that we've made mistakes. Uh, we've, we've made mistakes as individuals, media companies have, have made mistakes. Politicians have made mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, I've made mistakes. You know, we've all we've all made mistakes in this attempt to network with one another in a meaningful way. And I don't think anybody intended any harm, right? So we have to have yes. grace, and we have to have an admission of these mistakes. And then we can we can start to 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 talk about the specifics of the problem and 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 how we can communicate them to young people and. Um, And I don't have, I certainly don't have the answers for that exactly, mm -hmm. except that um, to warn, you know, my younger students and things, especially at the college level yeah. about, about these kinds of activities, you, you know, and what the, um, what the, and what the outcomes are. And, and we have so much data on it now too. I mean, with the amount of, this has got to be, it has to be the largest psychological experiment ever yeah. put on the human population. Mm -hmm. It can't even be a close second, right? Like, they, I mean, there can't be a close second. We've never done this to the population, this many humans at once. Yeah. It's unreal when you think yeah. about it, right? So, so to deny it, at this point is like, it's like, well, okay, you don't think this is happening. Well, that'll be your little secret, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know? Um, so, so I, I think, you know, we can show show them some outcomes and some things to avoid, but exactly what that looks like yeah. as a system of teaching and learning, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a hard question to, to answer and mm -hmm. probably why I asked it, but that's uh, a great question. I mean, we talked about reframing, Um, mm -hmm. your approach to social media, you know, that's, I think that's definitely one, one approach. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think that's, it starts there. It starts yeah. looking at the problem and being charitable and saying, we all make mistakes. And mm -hmm. then uh, let's, let's start thinking together about ways to go forward with minimal yep. damage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much well, for being here, man. I, hey, I really appreciate it. This is a really wonderful conversation. I'd love to do it again. Um, yeah. You know, uh, maybe come for a visit in Texas where it's not so cold. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, our, our goal is to be back in Texas in five months. Oh, we, great. Okay. We probably won't be in Fort Worth. We might be closer to San Antonio. Okay. 
sure. maybe it's between San Antonio and Austin, something like that. All I right. don't know exactly. We're deciding that as cool area. we speak. Not cool. It's very hot. But it's, well, uh... <laughs> cool as in as in as in as in a, a nice spot to live. Yeah, like culturally culturally cool place. Yeah, uh, lots of we're we're certainly gonna be over to Fort Worth a bunch because that's where my in laws and all of Katie's family. Oh yeah, is. right. Yeah, I, yeah. So you, we I, should definitely get together and maybe do an in person chat and we can record it and that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, or we can to. just get together for coffee and not let people know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, that's fine too. And then we can that's endorse fine. our favorite politici politicians to each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, great. I I want to respect you so your time. We we you talked about that a good bit, and and I really I'm, I'm grateful that you made this time. Sorry, we had a few of those hiccups with technology, but you know that's just that's the, that's just gonna happen. I've, I've got to upgrade some of my stuff. So. Yeah. so. All right. Well, thank you, Carlos. Right, thank it's you. Always a pleasure. Yeah, same here, man. All right.